0: Hey Jason here. Today's video I'm going to answer the question, is Ford, stock ticker F, a great stock to buy? This is stock analysis for Picnicking Pillowcase who requests this on YouTube. Before we Get to that though, I need to let you know you can get this series as a podcast anywhere in the world for free on all major podcasting platforms Stitcher, Anchor, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and more. You can get this part of the I Love Value Investing podcast anywhere in the world for free. And if you like this video here on YouTube and our other videos, make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you're notified every time we release a new video. And we're releasing new videos all the time, okay? If you see my other videos, I apologize for this. I don't want to do this, but I have to do this because every time I don't, I get nasty comments on YouTube. I do not short sell ever so any stock i talk negatively about i don't benefit from i also do not own any any stock in a long position in any stock i talk positively about so i don't benefit from that either these are done for your informational purposes only to help you learn how to evaluate stocks better and faster so you spend more time looking at potentially great investments and less time looking at potentially crap investments these are also uh, analysis videos requested by viewers. And oftentimes I don't know what the company does. Unlike today, today's company, I do know what they do, but most cases I do not. And I purposely keep it that way because at this stage of the analysis, I don't want what the company does to bias me either negatively or possibly. This also means I don't care about what the company says they're going to do. I don't care what their, wor- uh, their plans are to transform the world, make the world a better place. Um, I don't care what the company says they're going to do or the CEO says they're going to do. Um, I don't care about any of that at this stage. At this stage, I need balance sheet strength. I need profitability margins. Um, I need the company to be essentially a good company. Um, Sorry, my cat is jumping up here right now. (laughs) So I apologize for that. Get her down for a second. Uh, So with that being said, why should you listen to anything I have to say? In the first nine years of my career, I produced average annual investment returns of 23.5%. Uh, in the portfolios I manage. This puts me just behind the great Warren Buffett when compared to the first nine years of his career I had his Buffett limited partnership uh, when he produced 24.2% average annual investment returns. My returns legitimately make me one of the best stock pickers in the entire world over the last year, uh, nine years and I don't necessarily want to say that but I need to say that um, to prove to you that I actually know what I'm talking about a little bit. So with all that said again I apologize <laughs> don't want to say that have to say that uh, let's get to today's video again this is from picnicking pillowcase who requested requested this on youtube okay today we are evaluating ford motor company the ford vehicle and uh the ford car and truck company i don't think they make cars anymore actually now i think about it um so uh, full transparency i have evaluated this company off and on over the years i've never owned any stock in it though Uh, but i have evaluated this stock several times over the years okay the pay dividend the market cap is quite a bit bigger than the last time i looked at it i think it was my memory might be off here but i think it was somewhere around 20 dollars share last time i looked at it or 20 billion dollar market cap and that might be another company because the market cap doesn't look like it at any point in the last 10 years was around that range so it must have been another company i was thinking about i don't care about price, price sales ever um, but this is one sign the company might be undervalued with it being at 0.46. Again, I don't care about 4 PE really at all. When I do, I want to see this under 20. Um, so seeing this at 8.25 is one sign the company might be undervalued as well. Okay, so Ford Motor Company, for those of you who don't, don't know or are not super familiar with Ford, uh, Ford Motor Company manufactures automobiles under its Ford and Lincoln brands. Company has about 14% market share in the United States and about 7% share in Europe. Sales in North America and Europe made up 69% and 19.5% of 2020 auto revenue, respectively. Ford has about 186,000 employees, including about 58,000 UAW employees, and is based in Dearborn, Michigan. Um, I- United Auto Workers, I think is what this stands for Um, and this is a union So about 60,000 members of their employees are in a part of the union Okay, nothing else of major importance here The last decade their revenue is about almost exactly stagnant um, from 136 billion 136.2 billion in 2011 Two hundred thirty-six point four billion in the trillion twelve-month period. Um, that's not a huge surprise to me. Again, I've evaluated them off and on over the years. It's not a huge surprise to me that their revenue hasn't gone up um, in this time frame because it well actually didn't twenty eighteen and then start falling again. Um, frankly, because Ford's had a lot of problems in the last decade, uh, coming out of the last recession, they were having some major restructurings and major restructurings of their entire company and operations. Um, they've also streamlined their vehicles they're making now again i don't think they make cars anymore but they might be coming off the ev car electric vehicle car at some point but they're focusing as far as i know unless something's changed um since the last time i looked at it drastically was they're focusing pretty much exclusively on suvs and trucks if that's changed let me know doesn't really affect the analysis at all it's just uh, part of the reason why i'm not surprised their revenues have not gone up in the last decade however their operating profits have gone down in the last decade from 11.3 billion in 2011 to 8.5 billion in the trailing 12 month period what that means here with revenue being about the same is that their costs are rising as a percentage of the revenue um, that's leading to their operating profit margin going down as well from 8.3 percent in 2011 to 6.2% in the trailing 12 month period. Again, same revenue plus higher cost equals lower profits and lower profit margins. Uh, That is not a good combination. Their share count has gone down a little bit um, from 4.111 billion in 2011 to 4 billion in the trailing 12 month period means they've been buying back stock Typically, that's a good thing if the company is undervalued, which we'll find out shortly. In this time, their book value per share has gone up pretty significantly from $1.57 per share in 2011 to $8.68 per share into the trailing 12 month period. This is a sign that the underlying intrinsic value of the company is going up over time, Um, and that is typically a good thing. (laughs) Sorry, that was my littlest one coming barging into the door. Um, so where were we? Book value per share. Okay, I will explained that. Their operating cash flow has skyrocketed um, from $9.8 billion in 2011 to $20.9 billion in the 12th tri- period. That is fantastic. Um, that means they're becoming more efficient with how their internal operations are running because they're producing more operating cash flow from the same amount of revenue that has led to a massive increase in their free cash flow per share from 5.5 billion in 2011 to 15.2 billion in the trailing 12 month period Um, that's a fantastic increase and again is a bit surprising combined with their revenue going up or uh, staying stagnant their gross margins um, or their costs going up which is leading to lower operating profits that's a bit surprising that their free cash flow is going up but uh, that is because they're, I can't really see it on here. Uh, they don't push out their full numbers here in this little profitability, uh, margin of sales chart here. So let's go on to what we normally talk about. Their ROICs have also gone down pretty significantly in the last decade, from 2011 at 20.9% to five and a half percent. I look for anything above 10% on a consistent basis here. So um, this is not good, uh, especially because it's fallen so dramatically. Although I can tell that their debt levels are far lower now compared to what they were in um, 2011 because their ROE was 282% in 2011 compared to an ROIC of 20.9% and their ROE now is 10.4% compared to an ROIC of 5.5%. The higher ROE is when compared to ROIC, uh, the more debt the company has because ROE is levered by debt while ROIC is not. So that is a good thing that they have less debt. Not a good thing that their profit margins so those are, that their ROIC has fallen so much. And free cash flow to sales has gone up in, from 2011 at 4% to 11.2% in the 1000000000000 month period, which we saw earlier, but that's a good illustration of it happening. I look for anything about 5% on a consistent basis here. So they do surpass that threshold in the last five years. So cash and short-term investments as a percentage of the balance sheet is 16.5%. That's very good. Their accounts receivable dropping significantly from 2011 to at least as a percentage of the balance sheet to the last quarter um, from 2011 at 44% to last quarter of 17%. That's typically not a good thing, um, but we'll see what the absolute numbers show us. But that is could be a potentially major red flag, depending on what the absolute numbers show us. They do have a decent amount of short-term debt at 18.5% of their trailing um, 12 month balance sheet. And they do have a decent amount of long-term debt as well at 40.6 percent of their balance sheet so what this shows me again we'll see what the absolute show but this uh, shows me that they have a net debt uh, balance sheet position again at least based on the percentages and we'll i'll tell you more about what that means when we get to that on the balance sheet okay this is fantastic the cash cycle has cratered from 173 days in 2011 to 110 days rounded up in the trailing 12th period. What this means when this goes down, when this goes down, is that the company is becoming more efficient. Specifically, they are selling stuff faster from 209 days rounded up in 2011 to 127 days rounded up in, up in the trillion total period. It means they're selling stuff about, what was that? 80 days faster. Um, so two and a half months faster than they were in 2011. Their inventory though is rising. That is not a good thing um so when sales fall or when the sales cycle falls and the inventory cycle rises that could mean the company is having issues with their inventory which could lead to them having to write down or off the value of their inventory if a company has to do that Uh, or that might also lead to them discounting their their offerings as well if they have to do any of that it decreases the value of the company however And frankly, this is a little bit confusing because usually, again, in a healthy environment, the day's sales outstanding and day's inventory rises or falls at about the same rate. When that does not happen, it can lead to massive problems. Um, Again, we'll see what's going on there on the balance sheet for sure. But I do know that pretty much all car companies um, are having issues selling or building new cars because of the continued and ongoing shortage of microchips and semiconductors and processors um, that's been ongoing for what about a year now okay we don't talk about this very much uh, debt to equity i look for anything under one here um, and it needs to be positive as well but anything under one they sat 4.28 their debt to equity means the company has a significant amount of debt which you can see here and they have 148 billion dollars worth of debt uh, compared to 41 billion dollars in cash that is an enormous amount of debt that amount of debt is double more than double about two and a half times their entire market cap i'll explain what that means in a second okay Total cash, cash equivalents and in short-term investments make about $41 billion on the surface. That's good um, because their entire market gap is 60, what $61 billion right now as of this recording. Um, so typically that's a good thing. However, they have a ton of debt as we saw. Okay, their inventory levels are rising. That's not good, typically um yeah typically it's not good when inventories rise that much uh, it's risen about three billion dollars in a, about a year that's typically not a good thing because again it could lead to the discount products it could mean they're having a problem selling their stuff it could mean in the car industry them having to massively discount the cars um at discounts right off the value if they're not selling their vehicles well that could, or that will lead to lower revenues, lower profits, lower cash flows, if that is the case. Could be the case that maybe they're building inventory because of the shortages in microchips and microprocessors um, for the holiday season, which is typically a big one for buying vehicles. Um, but as of now, that's not typically a good thing. Their accounts receivable have skyrocketed from 10 and in quarter three 2020 to 43.5 billion in quarter to 2021. That's interesting. Um, Oh, it's because of this. I was gonna say that doesn't make any sense, but they have this other accounts receivable current down here in quarter three, 2020, uh, 41.9 billion. And then when you look at the total trade and other receivables, they're about the same over time, actually a little bit lower, about um, 8 billion, $9 billion lower now than compared to this time last year. And again, that is typically not a good thing if accounts receivable are falling and inventories are rising that's typically not a good thing they should rise or fall about at the same rate but the massive issue here is the i don't see any other issues so far or anything to talk about so far the massive issue is their debt levels Typically car companies, vehicle companies had a ton, 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 ton of short-term and long-term debt. Um, Just because they're so capital intensive and the manufacturing process and the building of the vehicles and the vehicles themselves and the salaries they have to pay employees, typically car manufacturers have a ton of debt. This is one of the reasons I don't invest in them. They have way too much debt for my liking. Um, However, Ford has so much debt that their total long-term debt and capital lease obligations are $102 billion rounded up plus their current debt and long-term are capital lease obligations of 46 billion so 147 billion in short-term and long-term debt their entire market cap is 61 billion dollars so in a real world sense what this means is that after you subtract the debt from both the cash Which is forty one forty one billion dollars and the market cap of the company, there's still a negative value of about forty to forty-five billion dollars. Meaning the company shares after accounting for their cash, market cap, and debt, their shares are worth less than zero when you include their debt in a real world sense. Does that mean that their shares are worth zero? not necessarily but what this means and again in a real world sense is that this adds enormous amount of risk to the company Um, anytime there's major economic issues there's typically issues with vehicle makers as we saw last year when the covid crash initially happened Um, and then we especially saw in the 2007-2008 financial crisis these car companies had most of these uh, u.s car companies had to be bailed out they had to restructure debt I think GM might've even gone bankrupt and come out of bankruptcy. Uh, So this can and frankly often does lead to massive problems when there are problems. And again, problems always come up. So this massive amount of debt is a gigantic issue as is their total contractual obligations. Wow. So including their total contractual obligations, they actually have a $305 billion in debt which is even more that's even worse that's almost six times their market cap um, they have so much debt um, <laughs> that's why car companies scare me that's why i've never invested in a car company um, because of things like this yes when i say car companies i mean older car companies yes i know tesla's different and it's structured differently um, but we're talking about an old school uh, vehicle maker in this video and their cash actually let's go back let's put their equity shareholders equity where's that total equity and they're actually the book value right now even with all of the cash and debt is 34.8 billion dollars but that doesn't include the total obligations so Um, Yeah, they have massive, massive, massive balance sheet issues. Massive increase in trade and accounts receivable in quarter to 2021. I would want to know what that is. sold 12 billion dollars worth of investments in tour to 2021 i would want to know what that is and what they are buying and selling kind of on a regular basis here when it t- comes to their investments so this is a good thing they're issuing debt they're continuing to issue debt but they're paying down debt faster than the issuing debt um, at least in the last two quarters that's a good thing again doesn't really matter because they're still <laughs> they still have an enormous amount of debt but that is a good sign okay other than that the cash flow statement is relatively straightforward um, now we're going to get to the valuation and this is why you need to look at multiple metrics, especially not rely on price to earnings and price to cash flow and for PE. I'll get to that in a second. But again, I don't care much for price to earnings, price to cash flow or for PE. Um, You'll learn why in a second if you haven't seen my other videos. But when I do, I want to look at these underneath 20. Um, PE is at 18.4, price to cash flow is at three, Um, meaning uh, according to its cash flow, it looks enormously undervalued, right? Uh, 4P at 8.25. These all are well underneath what I look for. However, none of these numbers up here include debt, which is why I love this number down here: enterprise value to evit Enterprise value includes both cash and debt, and since 99% of all companies on earth include or have cash and/or debt, I want to know this number um, when I'm considering an investment. What this shows me is that 14.65 is that the company is overvalued i look for anything below eight to consider the company undervalued this also shows me when you look back at the historical record that they are more overvalued now than they've been at any point except back in 2015. that was the last time they had a higher valuation on enterprise value debit was 2016. so even though they look to be improving their business um, in some respects, like with free cash flow specifically. Their balance sheet is a gigantic mess. They have way too much debt for me. Um, and that makes them overvalued on this metric, even though their PE and price to cash flow look very good. Um, because when I look at an investment, I, I want to, or I think about it as if I'm owning the entire business or a percentage of the entire business, because I am. Um, that's what you get. Or that's what you are as a stockholder is you own a percentage of the business so i want to know these things when it comes to debt and cash levels and balance sheet strength and safety and all of this when considering investment um, ford has way too much debt for me first of all that's the big issue for me when it, or the biggest issue is they have way too much debt um, and that debt directly affects their valuation which means makes them overvalued when you consider the debt and you should consider the debt way in the valuation um, pretty much always, in my opinion. You should always consider the debt. Um, actually, I can't think of a scenario where I don't consider debt in a valuation, even on private businesses uh, that I'm looking at and commercial real estate that I'm looking at. This goes for stocks as well. I can't think of a scenario where I don't subtract debt from the valuation. Um, again, private business, public public stocks, commercial real estate, I always subtract debt because um, I don't <laughs> I don't like a lot of debt. So, And that, again, really, truly affects the valuation of the company. So problems with the company in terms of revenues stagnant revenues uh, generally falling margins over time other than free cash flow shares or to sales Uh, balance sheet is a mess Um, we have way too much debt for my liking and the portfolios I manage and because of their debt issues they are also overvalued when it comes to enterprise value to EBIT um, which is one of my favorite relative valuations to look at so with all that said I would not be able to invest or continue this research into Ford um, for the portfolios I manage. Um, But it's still great case study, picnicking, pillowcase. Thanks for so much for requesting this. If you liked the video or if I missed something, if I didn't explain something well enough, if I should have explained something better, let me know in the comments below. If you want me to look at a stock like this for you, anywhere in the world, I will do so. Um, All videos for the last five, six months now, and every video, at least for the next two or three months, Um, is requested by a viewer. So if you want me to look at a stock anywhere in the world for you, I will, if it beats three criteria. It can not be a bank because I don't evaluate banks. Can not be an insurance company because you actually have to dig into the annual reports to evaluate them and it has to be producing revenue. Why did it have to be producing revenue? Because I used to, or I did a couple videos where I was analyzing stocks for people and they didn't have revenue because again, at this stage, I don't care what the company's story is. I don't care what they're doing. I don't care about what they say they're going to do. I have to have revenue to evaluate them. Uh, if it meets those three criteria, let me know. And I would love to look at a stock anywhere in the world for you. Uh, if you're listening on YouTube, thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Make sure to like, love, share, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. And we'd also appreciate if you do subscribe to hit the notification bell so you're notified every time I release a new video. i release new videos all the time. You also, if you are subscribe and hit the notification bell will be notified anytime we do lives when so we're doing lives we're trying to do at least once a week um lives right now on both youtube and facebook and if you're subscribed on youtube hit the notification bell you'll we'll be notified every time we not only release new video but we do a live as well if you're listening to the podcast again make sure to do all that same stuff We really appreciate it on the podcast we also really appreciate your review because the more reviews views and listeners we get to our content the more people we can help if you're looking for more specific help or if you're looking for more help on how to become a better investor faster, make sure to check out our free resources at the links below, including our five free gifts. Um, you can also get a free PDF copy of my book How to Value Invest and a free copy of our guide Seven Tips to Pick Great Stocks and Three Times You Might You Must Sell. You can get all three of those at the links below. Um, and if you're looking for more specific help from me on how to become a better investor faster, make sure to check out our Value Investing Masterclass, which is now open. Um, as part of this, you'll learn how to value and evaluate stocks better, faster, more efficiently. You have live group trainings. If you're among the first, um, 10 people to sign up, you also get up to $9,000 in bonuses, including our value investing blueprint, which we're going to sell next year for five grand. You'll get that for free. If you're among the first 10 to sign up and you also get a uh, free one-on-one trainings with me as well. Um, uh, plus all the videos, resources, everything you need to know and learn to, value and evaluate stocks better and faster, including where to find them, 23 value patient valuation techniques, all that. But you can find out more about that at the link below as well. Um, or you can go to mastermind.valueinvestingjourney.com to directly to find out more information about that as well. But until next time, have a great day. Talk soon.